by Passion Church, the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. I believe that God likes to celebrate, and I'm going to show you why. Uh, Philippians 4, verse 4. The Bible tells us to rejoice in the Lord always. How often? Always. All the time. And what does rejoice mean but to stir up your joy? And what's the mechanism by which we stir up our joy? It's typically by celebrating. Doesn't celebration bring joy into your life? And that's another thing we're going to talk about today. What celebration does in the life of a Christian? God wants us to celebrate, to rejoice in the Lord. Now, where is our celebration? Where is our boast? What is the focus of our celebration? It's the Lord. And guess what? We have got the best object of celebration ever. If you can't find a reason to celebrate Jesus, man, you, you have bumped your head, so to speak. It says, again, I say, rejoice. Somebody say, celebrate. Celebrate. <laughs> Now, you remember back before Jesus came into your life, your B.C., before Christ, there wasn't much reason to celebrate. We tried to make some reasons to celebrate. But I don't know about you. I, I don't look back with rose-colored glasses on. I look back and say, oh, I don't know how I made it through those years. You see, I was 32 before I came to the Lord, before he set me free. He came into my life. I'd been living, running from him all those years. And in, in those 32 years, man, y'all know me, I'm high strung, right? Y'all know I'm a little intense. I was a little intense about wanting to be famous, wanting to be rich, wanting to be all the things that the world had to offer. And I was coming up flat, man. I was coming up, I was failing at everything. And the, the harder I researched what life was about, the more intense I looked into meaning in life, I found none. I'll be honest with you. I, I don't think I would have lived to see 35 if Jesus hadn't come. I'm just that high strung and that intense that I, I go for what, what I believe. And if, if I would have totally lost hope, man, I would have lost hope. There was nothing to celebrate before Jesus in my life. I was losing my family when I came to Jesus. I, I was just mad all the time. I was angry. I was violent. And uh, what about your life? Before Jesus came, what did you have to celebrate, really? I mean, everybody's working for the weekend. That was about it, wasn't it? Well, you know, if you're living... From weekend to weekend, and just, your, your whole week sucks. <laughs> if I can just make it till Friday. Oh, if I can just get to that vacation I got planned. Some of us got so many vacations planned because that's our only source of joy. That is what we're looking forward to in our life. We don't have peace day by day. We don't have joy day to day. 
We're, we're working for happiness, a conditional response to, to something, everything going my way. Man, that's just miserable. It, it wasn't doing it for me. I don't know about you. Maybe you loved serving the devil, but I didn't. I mean, I felt bad about myself all the time. And he was there to kick me when I was down and tell me, you're right, you suck. Your life doesn't have any meaning. He wanted to kill me. He wanted to kill me. And the wages of sin is death, and I was dying a slow death, and I was living in this earth suit, and this charge was slowly wearing out. And when it was over, it was going to be over. I didn't have any reason to celebrate Jesus until I met Jesus. <laughs> and think about the world before Jesus. I mean, Jesus came 2,000 years ago. I'd heard about Jesus. But think about the poor people that lived 4,000 years before Jesus that had only known that their ancestors had sinned and they were cast into deep darkness and now they got to sacrifice a certain amount of animals to be right with God and they got to do all this stuff just to try to, and they knew they couldn't. The whole law was designed to show them they couldn't. It was miserable to live in the Old Testament. I mean, there wasn't a lot of hope before Jesus. Then I think about those shepherds on the hill that night that Jesus was born. Those guys, you know, they were outcast. They were grubby old shepherds. They smelled like sheep. They were the lowest of the low class, you understand? I don't know. I'm, they're out there, low wages, just another night, just going through the motions, probably cussing at each other, sitting by a fire, thinking, when's this going to be over? And then all of a sudden, a glorious light from heaven comes down. Now, what do these guys do? They see an angel. What do they do? They say, woohoo, God's here. No, they didn't. They're thinking, oh no, God's here. <laughs> He's come to get me because they knew themselves. And everything in themselves says, God's going to get me. Because I'm no good. I mean, it had been 400 years since the last prophet had written anything. Malachi was 400 years before. There was a 400-year silence from heaven. And these shepherds are out there. That Their five or six great-grandfathers before them hadn't heard a word from God. And they were out there. No hope that God's going to come. Oh, yeah, they said the Messiah's going to come, but that's some old, old Testament, old written stuff a long time ago. I ain't, I, they, don't, they don't let me read this stuff. But the light comes. A glory cloud from God lights up the place where they're sitting out in the middle of the darkness. They hit their face, I guarantee you, because it's, the angel said, do not be afraid. I bet you their legs was fellowshipping. They were scared. They're finna get it. God's coming to get me. And that's what a lot of lost people think today. When they hear the message about Jesus, they think, God's coming to get me. They, 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 they run from Jesus because they think Jesus is going to get them because they know who they are. But the angel 
said, do not be afraid. I've come to give you good news. I imagine that made him feel a little bit better. What? What? Good news. Wait, what? I think you got to, you, 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 you meant to go to the king's palace. We're just shepherds. You, you know who we are, right? You know, we were just sitting there talking bad about you. No, I come to bring good news to all people. And then it says in Luke chapter 2, verse 13, Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven. Listen, the people in heaven, every last person in heaven was celebrating to the max over the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ on the earth. They were looking for somebody to party with, and these few shepherds are down here thinking, why me? And in that way, I felt when I got saved, why me? Why does he share good news with me? I don't deserve it. I'm lost. I'm desperate. I've been serving the enemy. And here this light shines about. He's given me good news. And he's, he says that, that Jesus loves me. And that he's born for me. And all of heaven is rejoicing with me. I went from lost to found real quick. Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to whom God is pleased. The two happiest days in the history of the world are the two times Jesus came alive. The time he was born and the time he was resurrected. Because both of his lives brought life to us. Gave us good news in the midst of our darkness. You smelly old sheep. <laughs> Do you get the how much we need we ought to celebrate how we lose sight of how we ought to celebrate? I mean, when Mary was pregnant, she went to visit her aunt Elizabeth, I guess, or her cousin Elizabeth. And what happened? The baby in Elizabeth's belly jumped. Little John the Baptist was so excited. <laughs> Little baby knew what was up. And Elizabeth began to say, Who am I that the Lord of my the, the mother of my Lord should visit me? And Mary began to sing a song. It was just joyous. Christmas is the most joyful time in the world. It should be if we don't lose sight. The wise men came from a long way to celebrate, to bring gifts, and to celebrate. And wise men still do. Today, wise men still bring gifts to the Lord. They still give gifts to each other. They celebrate Christmas. It is something that as Christians, that should be the, it should be just the most joyous time of the year. And, it, and like Brother Nicholas said, it should show on our faces, man. We love Christmas. This is our holiday. All those other fake secular holidays don't do much for me. I don't care about Hallmark cards. I care that my Lord was risen, that he came and was born for me and gave me good news when I was sitting out on, in the darkness. 
Jesus, they took him after he was born and presented him in the temple on the eighth day. And there was this old guy named Simeon. And he saw the Lord. He began to prophesy. He was an old prophet. And he, he said, you know, he basically said, I can die happy now. I've seen, I've seen the Lord. The Lord had said, he, he, had, he had asked the Lord, don't let me die until I see the Savior. He said, now I can die happy. You know what? I feel like I can die happy now. Because I've seen the Lord. I know the Lord. I know that he has, he has taken all my fears and all my reservations about what's to come after death. He has taken everything that all those answers that I was so desperately looking for, everything I was hungry to know but couldn't find any answers that the world couldn't provide, Jesus provided. And he showed me truth that set me free. And he answered all my questions. And gave me hope for the future. And I can die happy now. We all can. And there was a prophetess named Anna. She was in the temple too because she came there night and day. The Bible says she had been there for 84 years. Night and day in the temple. And she got to see the Lord. She was faithful in the house of God. And all those years of faithfulness. It was all worth it for one glimpse of his glory. I guarantee you the prophetess Anna would tell you it was worth it. I would, do, I would live a hundred lives in that temple serving God just to see him all over again. Whatever you do for the Lord, whatever hardships you endure here on this earth, you say, well, I'm getting tired of serving in the church. It would be easier. A lot of things would be easier. This Christian life is hard. Everybody, nobody else is doing it. A lot of things may be easier, but this is worth it. Everything that you do for the Lord is worth it. Well, I could have more money if I didn't give to the church and tithe and give offerings. I don't know about that. I feel like the Lord blesses me. I think I'm way more blessed now than I was eating that macaroni and cheese in the world. You know what I'm saying? I was paycheck to paycheck, buddy. I don't regret anything I've ever done for the Lord. I wish I could do more. I wish I would do more. It's all worth it. So what will you celebrate this Christmas? Are you going to celebrate that you get a few days off, you know, a few extra days off? That's good. Celebrate that. Are you going to celebrate because you get to eat some good food? Good. Celebrate that. Are you going to celebrate when the Dallas Cowboys win? Good. Celebrate that. <laughs> Nothing wrong with celebrating. I think God likes us to celebrate the things that are important to us. But what should be most important to us as Christians this Christmas season? We should celebrate Jesus more so maybe than even your PlayStation 12 that's under the tree. Because <laughs> what, what you celebrate 
lets everybody know what's important to you or what's not important to you. And if you don't celebrate at all, I guess that speaks something about you too. I don't know. There's, there's something, if, we're, if we become jaded and just going through the motions in life, ask God to help you with that. Because we need to be celebrating. Celebration is an important aspect of a robust spiritual life. You have to have it. I mean, if you've got the hope, you've got the joy, you've got the peace, you've got to celebrate. You've got to have an avenue to get it out. And, and, and like these men said, that, what better witness than to see people see you celebrating the things that are important to you, see you have that joy and that peace. Find reasons to celebrate. Isaiah 63, 7 in the message paraphrase, Isaiah says, I'll make a list of God's gracious dealings. He said, I'm going to write them down. And that's not a bad idea. If you have lost your joy, then you've probably stopped being thankful. And you've forgotten where you came from. You've forgotten when you were sitting on that hill before that, that light shone around about you. Go back and write down the things that Jesus has done for you. Remember and stir up. Make a list of God's gracious dealings. All the things that God has done that need praising. All the generous bounties of God. His great goodness to the family of Israel and to your family. You see, celebrations build a sense of community. And that's why I want us to celebrate together as a church more often. I want to talk about the things that's happened and and I want to keep you in the loop. And I want to hear from you. You guys start texting me and letting me know the things that, you're, that God is doing in your life. And, and we'll make much of it. We'll create memories. Celebrations begin traditions. They stir our remembrance of the things we've forgotten about. They foster gratitude. And guess what? They instill hope for the future. And we're living in a time where not, not a lot of people have hope for the future. They're looking at the news and they're seeing the economy and they're seeing the wayward direction of our nation and saying, oh, it's over. It's over. Uh, let's just hold on, me and my four and no more. But that is not the way. That is not the way to win the world. We must set ourselves apart. God always wanted his people to be set apart. You know what holy means? It means set apart consecrated for the master's use. Do you know that God, he instituted seven major festivals for the people of Israel to celebrate each year? I mean, he wasn't willing for them to forget. He said, look, I'm going I'm to institute seven festivals that I want you to celebrate each year. That's a lot of festivals. And the Jewish people today still celebrate these. A rotation of celebration, if you will. And that's not a bad idea. You know, I used to work at Power and Telephone Supply and in that cubicle I told you about for 18 years. And man, you'd sit in that cubicle eight hours a day. And maybe once a week it'd be somebody's birthday and they'd let us go into the, the lounge and have a little cake or something and take 15 minutes together. 
I'm telling you, those little 15-minute celebrations made life bearable. Huh? You th- I mean, we'd laugh and act like it wasn't fun, but we couldn't wait for somebody to have a birthday. Whose birthday is it? Somebody born in July, come on, speak up. We'd be making up birthdays and stuff, reasons. Let's get out of this cubicle for a minute. Don't y'all want to get out of the cubicle of life? That's how you do it. You find a reason to celebrate. It's seven feasts. I'll mention them. The Feast of Passover, Unleavened Bread, First Fruits, the Feast of Weeks, the Feast of Trumpets, the Feast of Atonement, and the Feast of Tabernacles. And they all had deep meaning. They all came from some, something that happened in the Old Testament. God wanted them to put them in remembrance of this so they wouldn't forget But I see that all of them really foreshadow a reality that we have in Jesus Christ. And we should celebrate them as as Christians more than ever. Maybe we don't celebrate the the Jewish feast like they do, but that, that celebration should be in our heart. The feast of Passover, we're talking about when the death angel passed them by. How many of you are glad that the death angel didn't get you when you was lost in your sins? And how many times did he come looking for you? But the blood of Jesus was on the doorpost, my friend. <laughs> what about the Feast of Unleavened Bread? It, it, it remembers the exodus from their slavery. How many of you were slaves to sin? Slaves and addicts. And God sets you free. You should celebrate that. What about the, the Festival of First Fruits? Well, I thought Jesus, in overcoming death, became the first fruit for us. The first fruit of all who were born from the dead. Raised from the dead. The Feast of Weeks. Let me read what I wrote here. I didn't research this a lot, but I just wanted to throw this out. During the Feast of Weeks, also called the Feast of Pentecost, all Jewish males were required to travel to Jerusalem. You remember Jesus, before he departed, he said, go to Jerusalem and wait. The feast gets its name because it starts seven full weeks or exactly 50 days after the feast of first fruits. That was the feast I just talked about, the first fruits. Now it's the feast of weeks and it happens exactly 50 days after because Pentecost means 50. And what did Jesus do? He sent his Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost exactly 50 days after he was resurrected. And where were they at? They were where they were supposed to be, in Jerusalem. They were celebrating. They were in the upper room. Amen? The Feast of Trumpets. (laughs) To me, that just means that he's coming back with the shout and, and the trumpet blast, that Jesus is coming back. That's a reason to celebrate. Woo! Even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Yeah, I'm ready to finish this race and run my course down here, but anytime he's ready, I'm ready. Amen? Amen. I'm looking for the day. And it says encourage one another so much more as we see that day approaching. We should be talking about the coming of Jesus Christ. Because it's going to interrupt a lot of people's lives. It's going to interrupt mine in a good way. Because I'm going in the second batch. 
The dead in Christ are going first. <laughs> the day of atonement speaks of the atoning blood of Jesus Christ and the Feast of Tabernacles. Now, these are Old Testament, you see, and they're pointing to Jesus. The Feast of Tabernacles, we talked about that here recently, but that was when they went camping for a week. And they celebrated that their Savior would come to dwell with them. And so they dwelled with one another camping. And we talk about the importance of fellowship in the church and how we do life together. And, and I think that's a good promo for everybody to, to go camping with us. <laughs> do more camping together. I, I enjoy that. And we dwell together, huh? Not this weekend, Not this weekend no. We'll, we'll wait till it warms up a little bit. But Colossians 3.16 says, Let the message about Christ in all of his richness fill your lives. Is it filling your life? Let the message about Jesus, let the good news, the same good news that the angels came to declare and all the vast armies of heaven were celebrating, let it fill your lives. The good news about Jesus and all its richness. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom that he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. Man, that sounds like a happy church. That sounds like a fun, joyous church that I want singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to him giving thanks through him to God the Father. Say celebrate. celebrate. Celebration is important. It breaks the daily grind. It relieves stress, and it reduces burnout. And I can look out across there, and I, I say, see that some of you need to be forced to celebrate. <laughs> I wish I could force you. I wanted to grab you today and say, come on, sing this song with me. But I'm trying To let the Lord do the, his work and me just be the messenger. In a Michael Hyatt article called The Science of Celebration, I thought I would read you what he says about the neurochemical response to celebration. He says, the happiness you feel with celebration causes an increase in important neurochemicals. You know, your brain is... Some of you are really soaked, you know. No. <laughs> it's like a sponge, and, and it's got chemicals in it, right? And the different chemicals cause different reactions in your brain. There is a surge of feel-good chemicals, including dopamine, serotonin, and endorphins. Those are things we want. Dopamine is your own personal motivation machine. It keeps you ready to roll, right? It is the secret to getting pumped. And hitting goals, you need dopamine. Serotonin regulates your mood. Healthy levels of serotonin keep you feeling happy. Low levels of serotonin are linked to depression. Endorphins are the chemicals searing through your body when you finish a run, giving you the feeling of being on top of the world. You know, you got endorphins released. Oh, I feel good. Dopamine can be triggered by rewards, serotonin by community, and endorphins by laughter. Let me read that again. 
This is how you get these chemicals that are very highly valued for a happy life. Dopamine can be triggered by reward. Serotonin by community. And endorphins by laughter. Celebrations are a medley of all three of these triggers. When you celebrate, you are, you are rewarding somebody, you are building a sense of community, and you're laughing together. Celebrations are a medley of all three triggers, and all three neurotransmitters combined to contribute to the feeling of closeness, connection, and happiness that come with celebrations large and small. Now, this is a, this is a doctor saying these things. This ain't even a Christian doctor that I know of. Research shows the brain changes with experience, so the more daily celebrations are practiced, the more the brain learns to tune in to the positives of the world. We need to schedule some celebrations. Miss Donna says, finger food. She's already got like five of them on the calendar. She's trying to get on the calendar for next year. More celebrations. And we're going to do it, man. We're going to do it. But you know, there's nothing I celebrate more than Jesus' love for me. I told you I got saved, saved. I wasn't playing. I, yes, I am over the top. I am high strong. And when I found the truth, man, I got saved, saved. And for 25 years now, I've been giving Jesus everything I got. And I, and, and I am not showing any signs of letting up. And I'm not showing any signs of wanting you to let up or letting you let up as your pastor. I believe 2023 is going to be our best year ever. And I believe we're going to be a fun and a celebratory church. I believe we're going to have so much fun, the world is going to say, what is going on over there? We're over here miserable and unhappy because of what they said on the news. And you guys are over there just partying, laughing, <laughs> joyful. What is going on at the Passion Church? Can I come? Can I come? <laughs> you know, Jesus was telling them how much he told his disciples that if you obey my commands, me and my father, we will, we will love you and we will be with you. And he told them in John 15, 11, I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. That's God's desire for you. That the joy of the Lord would overflow. That you would walk so closely in his love. That you would just be so joyful that th though the devil's trying to listen, talk, you're not listening. Those situations are trying to speak, you're not, you're not playing that game. You're riding on a higher level. You're soaring on wings as eagles. Soaring over mountains of despair. I'm going to run with fire the good news of the gospel I will speak. I'm going to soar over mountains of defeat like that song said today. I'm going to shout hallelujah. It's because Jesus, you are the truth that set me free. Jesus, his love is worth celebrating. So I'm encouraging you to begin today. 
<coughs> this Christmas, celebrate your spouse. I know you've been fighting and she's spending more money than you want her to or vice versa. I know you ain't seen each other much because you got work parties and I know your kids is getting on your last nerve. Celebrate them anyway. You start celebrating them, they might want to hang around you more. And kids, if you start celebrating your parents, they might invite you over to eat more often. <laughs> Celebrate your friends. Celebrate your coworkers. Start thinking outward. That is, a, that is the joyful life. When you get off self and you start thinking outwards, how can I bless somebody? You know, some days, I, I don't have it all down, believe me. But some days I'll get on my phone and I'll go, I've got your number in my phone. And I'll just go and I'll go through the list and I'll pray over you. And if there's anything I know is going on in your life, I may shoot you a text or a call. And you know, I, I don't even know if I do it for you so much as I do it for me. It makes me feel good to get outside of my own worries and stress and problems and, and do something for someone else. And that's love. That's love in the nutshell. So this season, start celebrating other people in your life. Celebrate your job. Even though if you don't like it, it's still paying the bills. Right? There's reasons to celebrate. Start being thankful. Find reasons to emphasize the things you love, and you'll grow to love them even more. Then you'll live a rich, full life. And above all, this Christmas, let the world see that you celebrate Jesus' birth. You can, you can celebrate Santa if you want to. I don't care, but celebrate Jesus. Let the world see what's important to you. You know what Jesus celebrates? He does celebrate you, Jason. He certainly does. You know what Jesus celebrates? He celebrates when the 99 are doing good and he can go find the one lost. He celebrates when he finds that lost coin. He told us the things he celebrates. You know what Jesus celebrates? He celebrates when the prodigal comes home. Oh, what a celebration. Get the robe. Kill the fatted calf. Strike up the band. We're going to celebrate because my child was dead and now he's alive. He was blind, but now he sees. He was gone, but now he's home. Hallelujah. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.